of Room, and welcome to the Disenfranchised Podcast, where that podcast all about those franchises of one, those films that fancy themselves full-fledged franchises before falling flat on their face after the first film. I am your host, Stephen Foxworthy, and joining me, as always, living his life quarter mile at a time, it's my co-host, Brett Wright. Hey, Brett. Hello, Stephen. How are we doing, buddy? Uh, Tired. Yeah? Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Hopefully uh, get some some energy talking about this high-octane movie that we're discussing I, today. I live my life one nap at a time, so. Yeah. I mean, in that, at, at, certain, at a certain point, that just kind of happens to all of us, yeah. And uh, also joining us, the man who's promised to keep his ass out of Inglewood, it's my other co-host, Tucker. Hey, Tucker. Hi, Steven. How's it going, buddy? It's it's going well. Um it's I've been busy as well, but I've had the last well, except for last night, I had the last couple of days off, so I'm not like as like dead as I was last time. Well, that's good. But it had been like four days and like I had no sleep and had been working twenty four seven. Yeah, no, that's that's feel, that's not right. a sustainable living model, man. So No. Hope you're able to, you know, get you some some work life balance or something. Well, you know, the season always starts out this way until because I'm just I'm the guy that's always here. So until we figure out like who can do what in the schedule, I just fill in everywhere for the first. Fair enough. That's jack of all trades, master of none. Emphasis on master of none. Like I can do a (laughs) lot of stuff. I wear lots of hats and I do all those things pretty pretty well, efficiently enough. But there's not one thing that I do like outstandingly well. And I'm okay with that. I mean, so I, say we you, all. If you were gonna be here, you had to be quiet. This cat. Anyway. Pets, man. What are you gonna do? Uh we uh in in there's a there's a tenth Fast and Furious movie in theaters this weekend. How have we gotten to this point? Uh, and so, in in anticipation of that, we are talking about the 2004 action parody, uh, Air Apparent, question mark, to this franchise. We're going to get into it. Um, Torque. Joseph Kahn's Torque from 2004, starring Martin Henderson, Ice Cube, Monet Mazur, John Ashker, um, actually, I'm not going to go off that list because that list is alphabetical. Uh, Adam Scott, Matt Schultz, Jay Hernandez, Will Yun Lee, Jamie Presley, Max Beasley, Christina Milian, Faison Love, Fredo Star, Justina Machado. Um, what a cast. What a picture, guys. You didn't mention your boy, Dane Cook. Your boy, Dane Cook's in this movie. Oh, uh, not my boy. But yeah, Dane Cook is Love in this him. movie. <laughs> He was okay, my so, boy about 10 years ago. I was going to say, so maybe ago. your boy, yeah. Dane Cook. But, I mean, this is 2004, man. This is the height of the Dane cook such as it is. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, people people do like that Dane Cook, though. No. I don't, I don't particularly enjoy him, but I understand why people like him. And when he's used well, like I think he is in this film, I'm all for it. I mean, like his first his first comedy album is legitimately funny, but after that, once he gets popular and becomes a little bit like Ryan Reynolds in terms of he's everywhere and everybody loves him, and would you please shut up about Dane Cook, please? I so this this is two thousand and four. Um, 
the next year, speaking of Ryan Reynolds, uh, is the film that he's in, uh, Waiting, uh, with Ryan Reynolds. Uh, and then oh, the year after that, long in that? Um, yeah. probably. Yeah. I've not I actually seen. And uh, Louise Guzman is in I, that as well. I do love Louise Guzman. I actually caught a Louise Guzman movie yesterday. Um, John Francis Daly, Anna Ferris, Dave Keckner, Chai McBride in that movie as well. Alana Ubach, my childhood crush, Alana Ubach is in that movie as well. Waiting um, is great. Go see Waiting if you haven't. What a yeah, what a cast! I, don't, I haven't seen it in a few years, so I don't know if it if it holds up or if, if there's anything that's cringy in it. But the last time I saw it, I enjoyed it a lot. It's worth seeing. Yeah. I think. This movie marks the beginning of the Dane Cook ascendancy because after waiting, it's employee of the month. It's good luck, Chuck. It's Mr. Brooks. Like he just starts showing up in a lot more stuff over the next few years. Uh, Dan in real life, my best friend's girl. Um, He's in the other Joseph Kahn, the next Joseph Kahn film, Detention in 2011. I was just going to mention, I think that they might be friends because he has an even bigger role, even though it's still not a huge role, but he has a much bigger role in Detention. He is not in Khan's third film, Bodied, though. So there's something to be said for that. Joseph Khan, a filmmaker who's made only three films, uh, two of which at least we can cover on this podcast. I, I don't know what anything about, about Bodied. A thousand music videos. And so many wow. music videos, which was the pipeline at the time. You uh, you do a music video or several music videos or commercials. A lot of uh, A lot of guys were coming from commercials as well. Uh, the late 90s, early 2000s were kind of king of that. You kind of cut your teeth for a little while and then you move on to movies. And if your movies make money, you get to make more of them. Well, and there, you had there were some real big success stories from that era, too. You got guys like Spike Jones and Michelle Gondry, Mark Romanek, guys who made classic music videos coming in, making shit like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, One Hour Photo. Stuff that just like really ripped, and now they're just movie directors. Yeah. If if they're even making movies anymore, like some of those guys got really weird really fast. <laughs> yeah, see Michel Gondry. <laughs> right, I was gonna. He was the one I was mostly talking about. Yeah, Michel Gondry got real weird He's real fun. fast. I him. Spike Jones also though got pretty weird pretty quick. So he's kind of a weird guy. He got to start with Jackass, you know. Right. I mean, yeah, go figure. I mean, it, it, but that is kind Wild of boy. that is kind of what happened. Like these these success stories, they come from music videos. And and again, there's a, a certain aesthetic quality to the music video that lends itself well to this kind of movie. It's very kinetic. It's very flashy. Lots of big moments. Honestly, kind of the same with commercials where guys like Michael Bay and and his uh, David Fincher can come from that world. And in a commercial, every moment is the most important moment. And so if you apply that to an action movie, it's kind of like the Indiana Jones formula of every scene is the good part in the movie. In a movie directed by a commercial filmmaker like Michael Bay, every shot is the most important shot of the movie. Every shot is a, is a good shot. And so you've got this movie that looks absolutely incredible, just visually super stylized. Um, now the script may be lacking. There may not be a, a, that there, there may be some issues there, but in terms of the aesthetic of the thing, it looks phenomenal, which is something you absolutely have to give Michael Bay for all of his faults and flaws. His films look incredible. And there yeah, are dude, moments of this film that boys, look really good. 
I, I prefer, like, I, I like some of the, he, mm, let me start that all over. Like, he's Sounds one good. of the few people who is really good at, at using lots and lots of CGI very effectively, but his earlier work, stuff like the original Bad Boys, mm -hmm. where it's all practical and those car chases are real, mm -hmm. it's fucking phenomenal. Like, yeah. go back and watch the first Bad Boys. It's insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the second one, for that matter, is even more insane, but I'm sure there's probably some CGI in that one. Probably. The second one's absolutely... The, the second one is is incredible. It's fucking bonkers. You've never seen Bad Boys 2. Have you guys Bro seen the third one? Uh, I don't know if I saw the third one or not. Bad Boys for I Life? It's I mentioned the third one, yeah. AKA really the highest grossing film of 2020. It's real good. It got it got released early enough that it was able to rake in a bunch of money before the pandemic hit. And then the pandemic hit and no more movies made money for the rest of the year. And Bad Boys Bad Boys for Life just kind of rode that wave to the end of the year. So did it event did it eventually beat Sonic the Hedgehog? Because that's what Sonic the Hedgehog did that year. No, it did. Yeah. Bad Boys Bad Boys for Life was the highest grossing movie of twenty twenty. Because that was Sonic for most of the year, is what I'm saying. Like I don't know when Bad Boys Three came out, but uh, I can look it up here on the numbers, aka the website that I use all the time. Steven looks up stuff in real time. It's my favorite part. It's my favorite part of the show. That's the segment I like the best. It's really it's everybody's its own segment. segment really, it, 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 I mean, it's been its own segment. We just haven't really put too fine a point on it. Should I write like a little five second theme for it? So I mean, it, it would kind of help. It would kind of probably help kill time while i'm typing stuff honestly i mean i just played in the background while he was typing and searching i mean yeah, it made, it like made almost... 204 million dollars domestic that year Wonderful. um which is really for for you know whereas sonic the hedgehog only pulled in 146 000, or million domestic so i mean bad boys for life kind of spanked it um Okay, let's not. You were right, Stephen. Okay, <laughs> you don't got to be a dick about it. I wouldn't. I wasn't. I'm sorry. I was not trying to be a dick. I liked both of those movies, though. Bad Boys for Life is one that I'll probably watch again, and I, I don't really think I need to see Sonic again. Though I did enjoy it quite a bit. I still haven't seen Sonic. Uh, Sonic Two. I fell asleep during that one because I was tired, not because it was boring. To be clear. I do like Ben Schwartz as Sonic. I think that is an incredible casting choice. Perfect casting, yeah. I think he does a very good job in that role. Um, but that is not the movie that we're here to talk about. No, we're here to talk about 2004's Torque. Vroom, vroom, torque. baby. Torque, torque, torque. Um, torque. So this is very obviously a very pointed... Um, homage to and parody of the fast and furious films it comes out in between the second and third entries in that franchise um what are our histories with the fast and furious franchise and what is our history with torque uh brett i think i already know yours so i'm gonna start with you 
I've seen none of them except for Torque, and I don't really care to ever see Torque again, and I don't really care to see any of the Fast and the Furious movies. So oh, that's what I think. Foreshadowing. <laughs> these, these movies actively bore the shit out of me. If it weren't that. for Adam Scott in this movie, I probably would have given it like one star. Adam I mean, Scott saves this film from being absolutely garbage. He is, he is, I would say, one of the best parts of this movie, if not the best part of this movie, for sure. No, the uh, best yeah. part of this movie is when, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just, I was going to say, because I, I did read that this is, this was definitely made, not as a parody, but like a shot at the Fast and the Furious movies. Like, it was definitely making fun of them, not parody. Well, I guess parody is, no, parody isn't making fun. Parody is more of like, that's what Weird Al does. Is respectfully parodying things. I, I mean, and um, I would say Mel Brooks does pa- is is a parody artist as well. Uh, most is. of his most iconic works are mostly genre parodies, more so than specific film parodies. But because um, I, I just feel like the the line that you opened with is is a Dominic Toretto line, right from Fast and the Furious, right? That they totally is, mock in this movie. Yeah, which is immediately followed by that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It's in the my life. dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Almost yeah. everything in this movie is mo- like if you watch the first scene of this movie, mm-hmm. and if you don't realize that it's one hundred percent a send up of the Fast and Furious movies, I don't know what's wrong with you. Yeah, you're not you're not paying attention. Like you you've been living scene, under like, a hey, rock. Guys, hey guys, this is what we're doing. So either you're on board, or you should probably just turn it off right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're either... I wanted to turn it off. I couldn't turn it off, so I had to watch no, the whole thing. I get that. Uh, you, I you... respect that, Brett. I respect it. <laughs> Look, man, you you stuck it out. You stuck it out through fast food or food fight. You stuck it out through this. You're you're doing the well, Lord's uh, work, Brett. Oh, uh, you're you're a genius. Let's let's combine the two genres. Call it fast food. Fast food. Yeah. There we go. Sequel <laughs> to food fight. Fast food. Fast food. Oh God! And it's all the fast food mascots. Oh. Yep. Except they can't get the rights, to, the licensing rights to actually make any of them characters, so they have to do it all as, um, they 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 have to do like a bunch of made up ones, just like Food Fight. They have like Donald right. McRonald. Well, no, you you actually have Ronald McDonald as a character, but he doesn't have a, any like uh, character arc or anything. He just kind of like walks by in the background of a couple shots. He's in the background, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kind of like all of the characters and all of the mascots that they use in, in Food Fight. They're just like, oh, there's Punchy, the Hawaiian punch guy, just dancing in the background. Or, oh, gosh, Mr. Peanut's at this party, too. That's exactly the kind of energy we're going into with Food Fight. You guys, I feel like I, I've got to see Food Fight, you guys. Like, I don't feel like I'm really a part of this podcast until I've seen that movie. Should Can we do, we... like, a Patreon special where I watch Food Fight? I was going to say, I kind of want to do a Food Fight commentary where Tucker watches it for the first time and we react to Tucker watching it for the first time. <laughs> would this require um, me to have to watch it again at the same time? I don't I, I would watch it. I would watch it alongside Tucker in, in solidarity, but I don't know that you would have to necessarily. All right. I, just, yeah. I mean, we could also do it on a night when you're busy too, if you just really don't want to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I mean, yeah. I'd love to be a part of it. I just don't want to watch the movie again. I mean, uh, look, I, I get it, man. It's, it's not, it's not a good movie, but, Look, the worst movie. Is it I think it's in the running for the worst movie of all time. I think it's it's the worst movie we've covered on this podcast with a bullet. Like with a bullet. So Yeah. And we invoke it a lot. 
Um, but that I think might be the closest thing we have to a cursed episode is our food fight episode. <laughs> it's it's iconic for all the wrong reasons. It really is. And that movie is just it it's oh, it's it's so it's so terrible. Um I, I love anyway, that once episode, again, though, because good. it hurt you guys. You were oh, yeah. you were in pain and it was we are we yeah. are we're not the same as we once were as a result of having seen Food Fight. No. There's life before Food Fight and life after Food Fight. Really? And I want to experience that. The fact that we that there was a global pandemic outside our houses as we were watching Food Fight was really just insult to injury and I'm amazed that we ever recovered. I'm proud of you guys, I am. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, torque, right? Torque from room. Um, so yeah, a very obviously a, a send up. I guess send up might be the better uh, of, of the Fast and Furious films, but weirdly predictive of that franchise in a weird way. Absolutely. Tucker, what's I'm your history with the didn't f- go to space? Honestly, uh, that they probably would have saved that for a sequel. Um yeah. Tucker, what's your history with, with Torque, with uh Fast and Furious? What what's what's your history there? Uh, when the first Fast and Furious movie came out, I worked at the Hollywood Video in Carmel, mm. like 116th and Meridian, I believe is where that used to be. Okay. Um, and it was a new release. Uh, I think probably like my first two months that I worked there, it was a new release. And one of the things that they wanted us to do as employees was take home new releases and watch them mm-hmm. so that when people asked, we could give an honest opinion which right. I thought was really cool because most video stores are like, just say everything's good. You know, get say that again. You, but I didn't catch that in your mic. You moved your head away. That's cause I turned my head. I know. I said, um, that I think most, most video stores just wanted to get stuff out the door, but I thought it was cool that Hollywood video was like, yeah, we want you, to, we, if we require you to watch these new releases mm-hmm. so that you have an opinion on them so that you can talk to people about them. And I thought that was really cool. Uh, so I had to watch. I had to watch Fast and Furious. Um, I didn't really have any desire to. Um, to be clear, I do like older movies like this, stuff like Vanishing Point and the original Gone in sixty seconds. I think are really great. I love all that stuff. But the more modern stuff, they just kind of lost me a little mm-hmm. bit on that type of film. And Fast and the Furious was no different. I thought that first film for what it was, was good, and I understand why it got so popular. Um, I never saw the second one. I saw the third one because they were trying to do something different with it, so I saw that one. Mm-hmm. And uh, low-key, I thought it was really good. But I haven't seen any of the other ones because I just I really have no interest at all. Well, I guess that makes me the resident Fast and Furious expert on this podcast. I uh, guess so. And as far I've, as Torque I've seen goes, the first eight and the spinoff. So nice. Go ahead. As far as Torque goes, I know I'm I've seen that cover before. I've seen the cover art before, Mm -hmm. but I was never really aware of the film until I became a fan of Detention. And I went and looked at at Joseph Kahn's filmography and I was like, oh, I know that cover. I guess that movie's called Torque. And then I just watched it yesterday. I was going to say, but you hadn't seen it before you had to watch it for this show. Yeah. No, no. I'm and actually I I had no interest in it before, but uh being so impressed with the tension, I was I it was on my list of things to watch. So, I crossed that off yesterday. 
Thanks, disenfranchised. Yeah, thanks, guys. But uh, no, I'm, I I had never heard of Torque until sometime last year, the year before, when uh, one of my mutuals on Twitter um, discovered it and or maybe not discovered it, but was just like praising it uh, openly and repeatedly. And I was like, I don't know what this is. And so I looked into it a little bit. I was like, that looks very silly. Um, and then I realized, oh, they were they everyone in this movie signed a three picture deal. They were expecting to make multiples of this. What? Um, well, we can absolutely cover this on the podcast. Well, one of the things that is was so uh, the making of this film was a little tumultuous because mm-hmm. the studio wanted a ripoff of Fast and Furious with motorcycles. That's what they wanted, Hands which down, is insane Fast because and Fast and Furious, Fast and Furious is Point Break with cars. So exactly. It's well, a ripoff one, of a yeah. ripoff, yeah. <laughs> yes, but then Joseph Kahn was like, "No, no, 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 no. Let's let's make a parody." And those are his words. BT mm-hmm. Dubs, look right. it up. Let's make a parody of Fast and Furious. And so from the beginning, bumping heads, right? Bumping heads, because you got the studio wanting to take this thing very seriously, hoping to milk some franchise dollars out of it, and then you've got a director who's trying to make a statement, trying to make, in his words, a a dumb movie for smart people. Um, and on that front, I would say he's largely successful because this is a very dumb movie, um, but it's fun. Like I had fun yeah. with this movie. I can't I say I didn't enjoy it. Like I, I, I it's, it's got a lot of dumb action. It's got an incredible cast, a better cast than this movie deserves. Um, they even Absolutely. go so far, like this movie has the same producer as the first Fast and Furious movie and the same villain. Um, the 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 actor who plays Vince in the in the first Fast and Furious movie plays the villain Henry James in this movie. Like it's they're they're very clearly kind of winking to the audience like you you know exactly what we're doing here and we're going to make it as obvious as we possibly can. I think it's great that that everybody in this movie, I think, knew what movie they were into because everybody overdoes it, just like over embellishes everything. Every actor is completely clear on what movie they are in, uh, which I think is it's wonderful. Again, kind of a which is something we said about Josie and the Pussycats last week. Everyone involved in that movie knew exactly what movie they were making. Their performances were pitched to that, and I feel like this movie is doing the same thing. Matt. Uh, Henderson, the lead, is doing his best, or Martin Henderson, sorry, is doing his very best Paul Walker, like just, you know, stoic, bland, white guy in the middle of something he bigger than himself kind of thing. And I think, I mean, he's the worst part of this movie, but he still does okay. Like he's he's still doing all right. Uh, and then you've got, you know, just the, the rest of the cast is running circles around him at any given moment. Ice Cube, Monet Mazur. Um, William Ice Lee Cube, uh, scowling as he was known to do in those days. He was casted to scowl. Yeah. And cast very well days. to scowl. But look, I mean, Ice Cube is not a, is, is, is a man who has some serious acting credits to his name, even in 2004, like this, uh, he hadn't done like, you know, the ride alongs yet or anything, but he was, he had already done Friday. He had already done three Kings. Uh, he had already done Anaconda. He had already done Boys in the Hood, Higher Learning. Like he had 
he had already done a, a, a significant amount of, of films up to this point, uh, actually fairly good ones. And so he's also in Ghosts of Mars, future episode of this podcast, Ghosts of Mars. Oh, John uh, and, Carpenter. And, John and Carpenter Barbershop. Ghost of Mars. Right. Yeah. Lest we forget. We try not to say that before it because it's so horrible. <laughs> that's that's some that's some late phase Carpenter. Um, so it your your mileage may vary on that one in particular, but well, it's the movie that made him like finally retire, right? Well, the Ward is the last movie he ever did, but uh, he he took a big old step back. I think after, if I'm not mistaken, a pretty big step back after Ghosts of Mars. Um, let me let me let's let's do a John Carpenter I sidebar because tangents I never are fun. Saw the Ward. Have you guys seen the Ward? Is it- I've seen every Carpenter. And the ward is kind of a bummer for him to go out on, honestly. Yeah. You look at the ward yeah. and you're like, I mean, I get what he's trying to do here, but what is he trying to do here? It, it well, that's how I kind of works in that space. I, that's how I felt about uh, Ghosts of Mars. Like, there's so much in that that could it could have been good. But the rumor was that it was intended to be the third um, Snake Plissken movie. It was supposed to be Escape from Mars, but Carpenter has more or less debunked that. I think that that would make a much more interesting movie if his character Desolation Williams was actually just Kurt Russell's Snake Plissken. I think that would make for a much more fun movie. Um, and you get Kurt Russell's input and you could probably make a better film. But there's that was his last film before The Ward, and there's nine years between Ghosts of Mars and The Ward, and he's just not done anything since so he's i think he's well and truly retired he's he's basically just doing music smoking weed and playing video games now and honestly good for him good for him gotta know when to bail you know you gotta know when to hold him and know when to fold him uh but i mean ice cube he's he's a good actor i i actually will stand for ice cube uh as an actor but and i kind of love what he's what he's doing here he's not given a lot to do but he does it well he again he knows exactly what he's supposed to do and he does it and it's mostly scowl yeah and 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 yell fuck the police which you know the entire audience cheered when he said that pointed at the screen and went "Ah, he said the thing straight out of compton yeah my favorite ice cube moment is when they're they're the big chase, which is like the whole last two thirds of the movie, mm-hmm. chasing Ford like across wherever to wherever from Motorcycle Town, which is right. where they all live, I guess. Where's <laughs> that Motorcycle Town? Motorcycle guess, Village, <laughs> yeah. Um, but they're chasing him. And he's got his whole his whole like um, what do they call that when you have a bunch of cars together? Not a caravan. Convoy. A, yes, his whole convoy. And they're like, where are we going? And he's like, I don't know. Give me the map. And he's just. And he's just looking at the map as and he's not steering his motorcycle. He's just looking at the map. There is so much. Of the, there's the, the scene where um, they're driving the, the the NASCAR for some reason out of the back of the truck. Yeah. And he just he like turns to like make out with Monet Mazer at one point. Martin Henderson does. And like you cut outside the car and he's like steering and weaving in and out of traffic while his eyes are closed and he's making out with a woman behind the wheel of this car. And you're just like, the absurdity is it's beautiful. And I love to see it. God, it's so much fun. Um, Brett looking as bored as I've ever seen him look. (laughs) 
It's just like, man, I'm A, not as familiar with this genre of film. It's like when I hear, as previously mentioned, a, a Weird Al parody of a song I don't really like. It's like, I get what they're trying to do here, but I don't care. Mm. It's like, I, it's it's just, it goes over my head. Well, Because in my same... opinion, all of these movies are that ridiculous. And it didn't seem out of the blue or different for me. I'm like, oh, this is just what these movies are. Is this supposed to be making fun of them? It's just the same. So so to give, I, I think a Fast and Furious primer would probably be useful here. Um, so the Fast and Furious franchise starts in 2001. It's, it is a ripoff of Point Break, but they do Point Break with cars. So Paul Walker is the Keanu Reeves character. Vin Diesel is the Patrick Swayze character. There's a gang uh, there's a girl. It, it's all the pieces are there. Um, and Paul Walker is sent to infiltrate the gang. He is convinced that it's not them. Surprise, it is them. He lets Vin Diesel escape at the end of the movie. They It does really well, surprisingly well. So they decide to do a sequel. Rather than getting Rob Cohen back for the sequel, they get John Singleton for the sequel, who's like a great filmmaker who did like really boys is. in the hood like the youngest the director ever nominated for best director like to this day i think um for boys in the hood like just an incredible director who makes i think what is widely regarded as one of the worst fast and furious movies uh, i actually do not mind it as much i think it's actually pretty fun and i think john singleton is trying to do some interesting stuff with it vin diesel doesn't come back for that so tyrese enters the franchise at that point uh, and then they they hard pivot away from all of that with the third movie, um, and they set it in Tokyo. There's a, a a southern guy who, despite actually being from the south, has the worst southern accent I've ever heard. Um, and like they, you. and then at the very end, like the last ten seconds of the movie, Vin Diesel shows up in character, and you're like, oh, this all ties in. Um, the fourth movie is set before the third movie and talks about you know a a case that Vin Diesel ran with the, one of the characters that dies in the third movie. Um, and then the fifth movie is where everything goes bananas, where everything just gets insane because the third movie or the, the, the fifth movie, the fourth movie is like the original cast back. They get everyone from the first movie back together. And then they're like, okay, well this proves that this concept still has juice. Cause that movie does really well. The fifth movie, they're just like, you know what? Let's just make this a heist movie with cars and bring in literally every character from every movie that we've done so far. And so they do. They start bringing in people from all over the franchise. And at that point, the franchise just goes full absurdity. Like Fast Five is the moment that that franchise crystallizes and becomes what it is today, which is this weird spycraft heist over the top action insanity like where reality just gets put like gets thrown out the back window like it becomes it, torque unironically it does it it really does like torque is doing all this as a joke like the tone and the kind of the over-the-top insanity of torque they just do that in in the latter fast and furious movies which is why those movies kind of rip and why like five and seven and six are like my three favorite fast and furious movies um, because they're just leaning into that absurdity. Now I've still not seen F nine and fast X is coming out this weekend. So there's still a couple I've not seen yet. Um, but uh, no, this is a franchise. I, I watched it a few years ago with the, with the rule of thirds podcast. And I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. 
I really was. And I, I should probably at some point probably do a rewatch of that franchise because it is one that I enjoy. Uh, but this comes out between two and three. So it's really riffing on the first the first movie specifically. Um, it comes out the year after the second movie, but the filming had already been completed by the time the second movie came out. This sat on a shelf for like a year before the studio finally released it. So it's not really commenting on the second movie as much as the first. Well, and the reason it sat on the shelf, we might mention for a year, mm-hmm. is not because it wasn't good or the studio didn't have faith in it. Right. It's because Biker Boys, mm. which was the unironic version of this movie, mm. which actually was filming simultaneously in a lot of the same locations as this movie. Yikes. Like, they were all friends. <laughs> like, um, it was coming out in late 2003. That's right. And... And the studio was like, we don't want to oversaturate the market, so let's hold off until January. Yeah, that's all the all the best movies come out in January. Yes, we love this movie. Let's put it out in January. <laughs> the the ultimate sign of faith for a movie. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So this. So so yeah. This movie ends up sitting on the shelf. Ends up coming out much later than it than it probably should have. And of course, then. Um. By that point, Too Fast, Too Furious is already out in theaters. Biker Boys has already come out. Um, Biker Boys featuring uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Orlando Jones, Jaiman Hansu, Lisa Bonet. That one's got a friggin' incredible cast as well. And then Kid Rock for some reason. Um, but yeah. You had a that- song in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's all over these bike movies, man. I mean, here's the thing. that That like... That mu that music style is very much a part of of this genre, like the the rap rock stuff was really big in with the Fast and Furious films. Like you, to the extent that you have in those first few movies, characters played by Ja Rule, Ludacris, um, and there are also a few other like the the twins in uh, I think the fourth Fast and Furious movie are are also rappers in, I want to say the Dominican. Um, So like, they're all kind of, there's a a, a decent amount of popular musicians, not just from America, but other parts of the world as well in those fast and furious movies. So honestly putting ice cube in this movie feels like another part of that parody, whether it was intended or not, just feels like another level of, of that kind of parody. The only thing they're really missing are athletes turned actors because uh, that's another thing that the Fast and Furious franchise does really well. Um, Ronda Rousey, uh, John Cena, uh, Jason Statham, The Rock, uh, all you know, athletes turned actors showing up in that franchise as well. Cool. What do you say we get to that plot, man? Let's, Let's do it. Out of the way. Let's rip that Band-Aid off. Uh, so the plot in 60 seconds is the part of the show where we, one of us, at the behest of the, what did we call it, the the D6 of Destiny, uh, okay. will recount the plot of this film, 2004's Torque, in 60 seconds or less. Uh, Brett will assign sides and roll that D6. Brett, who is represented by which sides of the die? Well, I'm definitely one and two this time around. <laughs> I uh... think that's evident. Uh, three and four is Tucker, five and six is Steven, because you love these movies. So let's go. God damn it, it's a two. Motherfucker. <laughs> hey! Oh, no. <sighs> you got this, Brett. I believe in the, you. The, the streak is broken. Finally in my favor. Oh, 
God, I hate everything. I'm putting right. 60 seconds on the clock for the man who hates everything. What do you get for the man who hates everything? You get him 60 seconds in order to recount the plot of 2004's Torque. I will give you the 30 and 10 second warnings as I usually try to do. Uh, Brett, your time begins whenever you are ready, sir. I'd love to be gone in 60 seconds. Um, ah. Hey! All right, so um, the main guy um, ran away from his girlfriend to hide drugs that he found from the Hellions. I remember their name. Um, hey. the, the bad biker gang. Um, but he comes back and the Hellions don't like that. They want the drugs back. So they frame him for murder and he has to go on the run to clear his name and he clears his name and there's a lot 30 of, seconds and there, there's a lot of bike riding ice cube is there um adam adam scott's hair is incredible in this movie <laughs> the twist brett the twist get to the twist was oh right and adam scott's actually a bad guy he plays an fbi guy 10 seconds who's, who's actually um the bad guy even though you could figure that out like five seconds into his first appearance um that's all torque and that is time <laughs> that was good you did that was you got the broad strokes i mean yeah there's not really a whole lot else other than just like no you know, a set plot, up a chase then it's over yeah like plot point bike stuff plot point <laughs> more bike stuff which is again like that's the reason most people are going to be going to these movies is so that you can see the shit that the vehicles are doing you can see the guys riding real fast on the motorcycles don't you know like that's that's it that's the whole thing like that's what makes mm. it fun so okay so the people that enjoy this movie are just dane cook's character basically <laughs> pretty much yeah yeah He's the audience surrogate in this film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Fair like enough. I had a roommate uh, in the early 2000s who loved the Fast and Furious films. And this was, you know, I was just kind of like, why? But like, this is the franchise. Like, was anyone asking for these movies? Um, and he's like, well, no, but they're great. Or he's like, I was asking for them. Like, that was those would be the kind yeah. of responses that I would get. But I mean, you know, they kept making them and people did continue to see them. So. But no, I mean, it, the, it's the fifth one. Like, if you watch to the fifth one and you see the fifth one and you don't like it after that, then yeah, this franchise isn't for you. But the fifth one is well, something magical. I, I kind of take issue with, with you kind of making it sound like, uh, you know, it took it a while for that franchise to get started. That first movie blew up. No, and that's, Dude, I mean, it was no, huge. Those movies were very, very popular, but they existed as this kind of these sequels to a remake or a, like a, a, a ripoff basically. And so, and there wasn't really any kind of cohesion to the films until the fifth one, because they were all very, very different films. Like you take one character from the first movie and you build a movie around him for the sequel. And then you have a third movie that has nothing to do with the first two, except a brief cameo from the guy from the first movie at the end of the third one. And then the fourth movie's like, I don't know, should we try to get everybody else back together? And then they do that and it fucking takes off. It's incredible. And they're like, okay, there's still juice here. Like, so the first four movies are them trying to figure out what this franchise is supposed to be. So in terms of like box office, it didn't take this franchise long to take off in terms of narrative cohesion across entries. 
it took a while for this franchise to take off and to find itself. Because everybody loves a shared universe. So when you get like all these disparate characters from different movies show up in the same one, everybody fucking jizzes in their pants. And and Fast and Furious was doing it decades before, you know, years before Marvel tried it. So at least they were successful at doing it years before Marvel tried it. I'm, now I need to figure out when Fast Five came out. I want to say, oh no, Fast Five was 2011. So Marvel was already doing it. Fast Five just kind of beat them to the punch by doing their Avengers the year before the Avengers. That's uh, coincidentally the same year that Detention was released. There, it all it all comes together. It's, it's I can't it, wait to talk about that movie, you guys. This is just like a this is a warm up. This is your appetizer for. So what can you what 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 can you tell us about the you you being the fan of Detention that you are, Tucker? What can you tell us about the the director of this film, Joseph Kahn? I'm going to tell you that Detention is this movie except horror and sci-fi. Okay. And it's amazing. That might save it. I hope you like it, Brett. I really do. If you don't, I, I'm I'm not going to like lose sleep over it, but also I really like, because I, I, I bring these movies to you guys because I, I think that you'll enjoy them. I want to share them because you are my friends. So I always hope that you enjoy them, and I, I, I hope that you all enjoy Detention, because it's kind of a weird one. Like I said, it's, it's just like this movie, except about uh, uh, the genres of horror and sci-fi. Yeah, well, as, as I've said about, I think, uh, John Wick 4, like, it's it, it's this genre, just action. It's like, you know, they've, they've thrown reality out the window, and it's just all over-the-top bullshit. Um, and I love that. So if you do this sort of thing in a genre I like, maybe that's what it is. I was going to well, say, that, I think you're, because this is action, it's just vehicular action and not like, you know, the the Kung Fu Karate uh, martial arts action that, that you're probably more inclined to enjoy. Another, you know John Wick shoots dudes, right? Shoot I mean, you know they shoot dudes in this movie too, right? Have you seen dudes a John Wick film, shot. Steven? I've seen the first three. I don't think you have. <laughs> Ooh, the gauntlet has been thrown down. You have to prove it, Stephen. How are you going to prove this? No, I, I know he has because we had the conversation about it. He thinks they're just fine. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I, I quite like the first and the third one, but it's not like a, a franchise that I am burningly passionate about like you are. I'm also not burningly passionate about the Fast and Furious franchise. I just feel like I have to step up and defend them because you're like, I will never watch those. They are terrible. And I'm just like, but they're really fun and you should. Sure. But I have other fun films I can watch instead that I know I'll like. And that's, you know, my time is at a premium. (laughs) So I feel similarly. Especially nowadays. Mm. It's true. I feel similarly about the Fast and Furious franchise, but if I knew someone that was enthusiastic about it, that wanted me to watch them with, watch it with them, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd probably do it. Probably. I mean, if I, if I lived I'm closer to you, Tucker, I, I, I would absolutely take you up on that. Cause I think you would, I think you would get a kick out of them. I really do. I probably would, but it's just, it's kind of like this movie. Like I like this movie because I think it's fantastically made I think the cast is perfect. Mm-hmm. Everything's great. It's just I don't give a fuck about the subject matter. And that is reflected in my review. Like, I, it loses a whole star because I just don't care about bikes and, like, racing and stuff. 
but otherwise Fair. it's fantastic like i i think i'll i might watch this movie one more time because i really want to there's a commentary on the blu-ray mm -hmm. and i don't know how i'm going to see if i can find it like online because i'm not trying to buy this blu-ray but i'm definitely trying to listen to that commentary for sure because i'm interested in the director and i think it's a very well-made movie i think it's an interesting movie mm -hmm. i liked it a lot it's just because of the subject matter i don't really care about it that much i Which think you're on something fair. actually that's i think that's because i feel like i really have to defend my position at this point um like i think that's what it is like you you both in particular can view a movie not like it but still appreciate it for certain things you can say that it's well written or well acted but you don't care about the subject matter like you can find other things to like Whereas I'm the kind of person just like, if I don't like the subject matter, why should I care about the rest of it? And I mean, that's, that's a me fair. problem. It is a me problem. I get that. But that's just how I view film. I don't really, I mean, I'm, I'm on record as saying I don't really give a shit about cinema. Like, quote unquote, this is true. cinema. Or as Vin Diesel would say, movies. the movies. <laughs> well, they say in no. Scream 6 at the beginning, he's like, fuck movies. Or like, who yeah. shit about movies? Who gives, who gives a fuck about movies? Yeah. But in the movies, who gives a fuck about movies? To which but I'm like, like fuck you. But I, but I love the movies. And the I movies. just don't. There's a difference. I love movies. I don't give a shit about cinema. So Uncle Marty is weeping right now. Crying. <laughs> yeah. He's That's like, no, the... Brett, why? Why? <laughs> I noticed the two Martin Scorsese movies that we've covered, both on the main feed and behind the Patreon paywall. You were absent. You were suspiciously absent from both. Not suspiciously. I had legitimate reasons. Thank you very much. Legitimate reasons being, I, I don't care about cinema. Well, look, <laughs> I had a shit. Did I'm I... busting your chops, man. I'm just God busting. God damn it! Your leave chops. me alone. <laughs> <laughs> Let me be a plebe about it, okay? I'm gonna get a ton of emails. Stop bullying Brett on mic. Okay, I'll wait till I'm off mic to bully Brett. Um, yeah. I don't bully Brett. At least not intentionally. No, Brett's gonna start abused. crying. I'm so abused. Um, not in public. Yeah, I would never. I would never. I fell um, down some stairs. <laughs> yeah, onto a curling iron. <laughs> oh, this took an uncomfortable turn. Um, anyway, torque, 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 torque. Say it. It's fine. Um, yeah, torque. I, I don't know. I'm. I. Torque, torque, torque. Um. I I I did. I had I had a good time with this. I I like where where do I start? Like from from the opening scene and and here's why I think this movie worked for me as well as it did is it's very clearly punching like it it's going hard for the Fast and Furious movies and it is it's doing parody. And I think on some level there's an admiration for those movies here while maybe I think I think the the lashing out is at is is less at the actual film itself and more at kind of the car bros that latched onto it like the people who heard Vin Diesel say I live my life a quarter mile at a time and just decided that was going to be their life mantra as well and to um, be fair that is the stupidest thing i've ever heard it's up to there to be fair <laughs> it's up there um but like it it i think it's it's more punching it out at at that group more than anything else. Um, but it also, in addition to clearly making fun of and riffing on 
the Fast and Furious film, the original Fast and Furious film. Um, it also does the car action or in uh, the car and motorcycle action really, really well. Like the action scenes are really very incredibly done. Um, and it, bar- I mean, this movie's borrowing a lot from the visual aesthetic of the Fast and Furious film from like, you know, turning the key and like, like hitting the NAS button and watching the thing go down and inject the engine and the engine revving up. Like all that is like fast and furious one through one through three kind of stuff. If, if I may interject for a second, that particular um, gimmick of like the engine starting and the camera going through the engine, Mm -hmm. that is something they did in the first fast and furious, but it is something that the director of this film did two years earlier than the fast and the furious in a Janet Jackson video. Mm. just saying okay just saying so maybe he's like you know sit down amateurs i got this kind of yeah, uh, maybe, dude, maybe that's kind of his his thing um but and and then on top of all of that it does like the chase scenes are really kinetic and very well done the garage fight scene is a little like visually speaking is a little difficult to follow like there's a lot of stunt doubles at play there's a lot of of quick cuts and uh, rapid camera movement so it's it's difficult to tell what's happening there but once you get like on the road and you're watching these cars and these vehicles chase each other like it it's very well choreographed and very well shot i thought like it the action scenes in this are good so this actually works as an action movie apart from the you know the goofy fast and furious parody elements and i think it works better now that i've seen you know the bulk of the fast and furious franchise because this actually in in riffing on kind of the absurdity of that first movie, it actually ends up predicting where the franchise goes and feels very much now feels very much a piece of what that franchise is. Whereas at the time it would have felt ludicrous. Well, that train scene, let me tell you what, I could not believe that. <laughs> it's just like, there's Speaking no of way. Ludicrous, also in the Wait, Fast and the Furious movie. Yeah, this yep. is true. He's in, he had, yeah. He's so good. He had a song on the second one called Act a Fool. I don't know if you remember that song, you guys. They cast him in the second movie only because Ja Rule didn't want to come back for the sequel. Like Ja Rule was in the first movie and they asked him to come back for the sequel and either he wanted too much money or just didn't want to do it, depending on whose reports you're reading. And so they're like, all right, screw it. Uh, Luda, you busy? And he's like, nah. And then after that, he's the guy that they get to come back in five. And then he's in the rest of the franchise from there. Well, let's be clear. That's an upgrade. I agree. That is. An I mean, upgrade. when's the last time you heard about Ja Rule? Uh, Fire Festival. I was gonna say, yeah, when he <laughs> fucked everybody on that music festival. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But Luda out here is still making good music and doing commercials for like family shit and making Fast yeah. and Furious movies, which is all about the family. That's, That's what true. I've heard. That's true. So you know, family. yeah, no, definitely an upgrade. For sure. Vin, Vin Diesel's brand at this point is just family. You go see Guardians 3, you'll know what I'm talking about. Haven't yet. I haven't gotten a chance to get out to the movies in a hot minute. I'm very upset about that, but we will get yeah, there. That's fair. Like you can you can always hold off on being emotionally destroyed for two hours. That's, you know. I'll I mean, Disney Plus. Sure. <laughs> I can be emotionally destroyed on Disney Plus as, much, as best as I can in public, so. That's true, yeah. With less shame, because you're not doing it in public. <laughs> I mean, I, I I rarely feel shame anyway. That's just kind of my brand at this point. It's a good way That's to be. A fair, that's a fair you point. Yeah. Um, 
but but no, I think I think the and I think that's why this movie works as well as it does is it works both as an action film and as a parody of an action film. Like it's hitting both of those buttons and it works on both of those levels. And I think I there is a part of me that has an appreciation for it. And to be clear, I didn't love this movie. I'm not like this is not a five star masterpiece for me, but I think it works better than better than a lot of people have given it credit for. Um, yes, it is very much a product of what it is trying to do. Uh, but in addition to that, it's it, it works on its own on its own terms as well. So I don't know. I, I have to give it some props for that. I agree with that assessment. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose I agree. I can't really disagree with anything you said. I just, it's, yeah, sure. Fair enough. Um, let's, uh, I was going to say, let's take a look at some of the cast on this thing. Um, I'm trying to figure out what I know Monet Mazer from. I was trying to do that the entire movie because I'm like, I know I've seen this lady before. But I don't know from what. Um, gosh. I'm looking through right She's now. in the Anna Ferris comedy The House Bunny, a movie I've not seen. I have not seen any of the stuff that she's in. Yeah, I, I don't think I've seen any of this. Except Here, for Blow, but I don't remember her in Blow. I've seen it, It's been so long since I've seen Blow that I can't even come. She's been in a future episode of this podcast, The Mod Squad. And Mystery Men. I don't remember her in Mystery Men either. Oh, she she's is the pretty. she's the reporter at the end of Mystery Men. She's she the one that gives them their name. That where I think she could just be in a movie for a few seconds and I'd still recognize her in Torque. Right. She has a very a very unique look. Yeah, and I mean that's basically the the function she performs in Mystery Men. She's just the reporter who's like, "We'll always owe a debt of gratitude to these Mystery Men." And then the Sphinx is like, "I got it. We're the Super Squad." <laughs> Which is just, John you know, guy. And how does he get to be John Doe? You can't be John Doe. You, you be can. Be John Doe. He, he is, though. He's John Doe. No, I want to call him right now and be like, you're you're fucking shit up, man. Because like if if something happens to him where he doesn't have his ID and like somebody finds his body, they're going to be like, this is John Doe. And they're right. but They don't know how right they are. <laughs> almost like crying wolf but it's your name seems like you know? an incredible premise for a film tucker you should write this right uh no you should write it brett you're the guy who writes things i'm just the idea man i'm becoming more of the idea man as the as the years progress um, yeah i i too am also an idea man i'm trying to figure out if monet Mazer and debbie Mazer are related and i don't know that they are i don't know but if i can while you're trying to figure that out if i can mention that uh, this John Doe person, we don't know who he is because he's literally John Doe, is also in future episode of Unenfranchised coming this October, The Rage Carry Two. Yeah, wow you're 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 putting you're putting uh, you're putting that out in the world. Mm-hmm. It's happening. No, we have to do it. it. I walk. You know, you That's always awesome. say that, and you haven't walked yet. Well, because you always do what I want. Okay, maybe we stop doing that. We do, no! give in to you. we do give in to your demands 100% of the time. You're, I can be very persuasive. You're like a toddler. You just just throw a little throw a little bitch fit whenever you don't get your way. It's a little tiny one. 
Uh, Debbie Mazer and Monet Mazer are not related because their last names are spelled completely differently because I'm an idiot. Um, I'm sure there were tons of people yelling at me in their cars or, you know, other places about that already. So apologies for that. I fall on my sword in, um, I don't know, in shame. Something Um, interesting about this cast is mm -hmm. that um, Jamie Presley and the dude that played Sonny, they both also starred together in My Name is Earl a couple years later. That's right. Yeah. Um, Crab Man. Yeah. Uh, Paris Hilton uh, tried out for that role um, that, that Jamie Presley plays in this movie. That's funny. That Her whole role is just so silly. She barely says anything, and she's just there to to be menacing. She's there to like, fight the girl at the menacing. end, really. And yeah, the girl, I, that girl fight, I think, was probably the best fight, like fist fight or like physical fight in the whole movie. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like just, I mean, it looked good, and it was so just creatively choreographed. I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah. Yes, was it absurd? Absolutely. Was it ridiculous? Sure. Was it stupid? All the way. But goddamn, it was entertaining. This also feels very much like it, it feels like it's got a lot in common with the Transformers films as well, just in terms of like the car chases, the car action. Um, when did the first of those come out? Because I feel like it was right around this same time. Oh, gosh, like 2003? Maybe. I want to say. 2007. No, this is presaging a lot of the Transformers stuff. Wow. Um, that franchise got very big very quickly. Um, I guess. Jeez, there's like 100 of those, and it's only been around for the less than 20 years. And Michael Bay's directed all of them, except for like Bumblebee and this new one coming out later this year. Now it's now it's like monkeys and stuff that turn into what other monkeys yeah it's we're, we're doing the beast wars thing we're yeah the Do they turn into beast wars um animals uh, they're animals uh, and they turn into robots auto- automobile uh, yeah robotic animals now yeah the original original beast wars was set way back in prehistoric times and when the um autobots arrived on the earth they scanned the life forms around them and just that's what they decided to transform into was animals yeah that's all that was that's there cool. It Don't ask seems... me how I know Beast Wars Transformers lore, but I do. Um... It just seems a little silly to have an an animal and then to transform into an anthropomorphic robot. There's Whereas, a character. Like, it's a car or something. Look, it's really fucking cool when you're like ten. Like, what do you I mean this, so. this this gorilla turns into a robot? That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Something with a head and arms and legs turns into another thing with head and arms and legs. That's crazy. But for me, like the regular Transformers, like that's a car. Like that's not even close to being like a humanoid kind of thing. And then it just it has legs and arms and a head, and that's amazing. Okay, but Tucker, but Tucker, a robot Tucker. It does. They're not the same. But Tucker, how do you feel about GoBots though? Oh, I don't know, man. I don't give a shit about any of that stuff, man. I don't have an opinion on any of it, really. Well, except that Beast Wars is dumb because it's just like swapping heads and legs and arms for okay. other heads and legs and arms. But here's something I have to let you know, Tucker, and this I may like change rock your lords. When this I was may... a kid, rock lords were my shit. This may change your entire opinion on Beast Wars. There is a character called Optimus Primal, and he's yeah. going to be voiced by Ron Perlman. That's cool. That is Good cool. Good for Ron Perlman. Tucker doesn't care. Tucker doesn't care. 
I, I feel like you're really, I feel like you're really undervaluing that news. I feel like that was way bigger news and you're just kind of I think underselling you're it. undervaluing the fact that I said that I can appreciate rock lords. Maybe you guys are not familiar with the rock lords. I'm not. But no, because unlike, I was too busy with my transformers. Thank you. Unlike transformers that transform from complicated machines, uh, like cars and boom boxes into robots or the beast wars, that turn from animals into robots. These are rocks that transform into robots. And I loved them. Oh, I also like the ones they had in the Happy Meal. I like the Happy Meal Transformers, where your fries turned into a robot, and your shake, and your chicken nuggies. It was really cool. I do remember those. I remember those, yeah. Rad as those. hell. They were pretty good. Uh, anything else to say about the film? Torque. We haven't talked about Adam Scott at all. I was going to do, I, I had a, I had his IMDb profile pulled up a second ago and we got talking about Transformers. So I closed it out. Let me pull it back up. Let's, let's talk about Adam he's Scott. He's the only redeeming part of this entire, I was glad when he showed up. I was surprised. He's you were like, oh, thank God. But very happy. Yes. He, I think he was perfect for this role because he knows what kind of movie he's in. Agreed. And he's proven since then, as he's, you know, become a much bigger star that that's the kind of role that he will fucking nail every mm -hmm. time. And I think he nailed it in this movie. I thought he was great. He was hilarious. Uh, yeah, I think he's really good. He's doing everything he needs to do and selling it very well. Uh, he's about six years away. When this movie comes out, he's about six years away from uh, Parks and Rec, which is kind of the thing that really kind of makes him a household name. But I would argue Step Brothers was the thing that, I was going to say before that he does Step Brothers, which is his next big like that's his step up on his way to Parks and Rec. But I mean, Step Brothers is big before that. He's just I mean, he shows up. he's in like Star Trek First Contact for like a second. Um, he's the guy that tells Worf the Enterprise just came around. He's in Uncle Marty's The Aviator, um, the TV series um, Wonder Falls and Veronica Mars shows canceled before their time like he. He was a gigging actor. He got out and he did the work and Parks and Rec. Working, and... Man. He was in a lot of stuff. He just wasn't like a main guy. Like nobody really paid attention to him. I will say his introduction scene in Step Brothers is one of my favorite introduction scenes in cinema. Um, is so fucking good with him and the kids and Catherine Hahn all singing Sweet Child of Mine in acapella. Um, it's magical. Brett, have you seen Step Brothers? It's been a very long time. You need to go watch the sweet child of mine scene from Step Brothers on YouTube, like as soon as we're done with this recording, um, because it is delightful. He kind of makes it. that movie for me because even though I love Will Ferrell and um, uh, uh, um, John C. Riley, John C. Riley, I love them individually. Well, Will Ferrell's kind of fallen off for me, but there are times when Same. I've loved Will Ferrell, and together I think they're great. But I really think Adam Scott is Step Brothers for me because I, I don't really find the dynamic between Will, Will Ferrell and John C. Reilly in this film to be as funny as everybody else seems to. Like, they're great in it. Yeah, I'm inclined it's, to agree it's, with on, you. It's one of their, it's probably their weakest pairing. Well, except for that Sherlock Holmes movie that nobody saw and I refuse uh, to watch. Brett saw it. Oh, I made, Brett, I made the mistake of watching it. It's oh, the first movie yeah. I've ever considered walking out of, yeah. You poor, poor man. Yeah, he, he did that to himself, honestly, and he has no one to blame. But um, 
Yeah, but at least now, like, like for our sins, Brett, for our sins. Like, you know, it was a tradition usually to go see two movies on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Because all of, you know, family stuff was done on Christmas Eve, so tradition was to go see two movies on Christmas Day. Okay. Um, and it was the only other one that, you know, was halfway interested in. So, mistakes were made. Well, I wanted, I initially wanted to see it because I love those two guys together. But the more, the more I heard or heard about it, the more I was like, I don't think I ever need to see this movie. I just have an issue with the the constant need to cast American actors as Sherlock Holmes. Like there are enough British actors, we can cast one of them as Sherlock Holmes one time. Like, do we really need Robert Downey Jr. and Will Ferrell to be playing this character? I don't think we do. No, um, I don't know if you've seen the Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law. Um... The Guy Ritchie, Sherlock Holmes movies. I have refused on principle to, thus far. Uh, the first one is really good. The second one, it just is awful. But Robert Downey Jr. is convincing. His accent is convincing. I, I understand the principle of your argument. It should probably should be a British person. I think Jude Law would have made a... I was going to say, why are we casting Robert Downey Jr. when Jude Law is right here? Literally right here. He's the other guy in the movie. Like, I don't, I don't uh, get it. Because Iron Man? Because Iron Man, that's why. <laughs> Remember when he was like, he, he left the MCU and was like, all right, I finally get to do stuff for myself. And then he did Doolittle and then nothing? Well, yeah. <laughs> Future episode of this podcast, Doolittle? No, don't make me watch it, Steven. No! Okay, now I'm definitely going to make you watch it. <laughs> I can't believe you've done this. Being a host uh, of this podcast means you're going to have to watch some shitty movies, Tucker. That's that's I kind know. of the hey, point, Tucker. To be clear, I never asked to be a host of this podcast. But I you accepted excited. when we asked you. You didn't even have to think about it. No. Uh, I believe, actually, I said I'm too busy, but I'll think about it. And but turns they... out I am too busy, but here I am still for some reason. <laughs> Hi, it's me. I'm here. Hi, it's you. You're the problem. It's you. You can yeah. leave at any time. Don't give him an out, Brett. <laughs> I can't believe you said this, Brett. Now Don't my give him an hurt. out. No, he's here forever. That was the contract. He signed it in blood. Me? Under a under under yeah. a blood red moon. It's binding. It's look, it is legally and mystically binding, Brett. We look, Tiger. What would we do without you? We wouldn't release regular episodes. Correct. Uh, that's that, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. We would be so, our and and our Patreon would be significant significantly more lacking than it is currently. So it would be like in the cartoons when they open their wallet and the fly comes out. Mm-hmm, that yep. would be the Patreon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yep. Because so you're the one constantly going, hey, should okay. we probably get some Patreon content out this month? And we're like, oh, yeah, we have that thing, don't we? We should I'm probably like, hey, are we recording that. an episode of the main feed this week, you guys? Or are we just not going to talk about that? Like, <laughs> should we probably we shouldn't something? announce. I don't know. Like, and Brett and I shouldn't... look up with bloodshot eyes and look at our phones and go, okay. <laughs> We, we probably should talk about um, not caring about the Patreon on the main feed. That's probably not a good idea. Um, no, but but here's the thing about the Patreon. So for for all of that, um, we we do try to and, – and Tucker has made – we're a lot better about it now than we have been. And Tucker's made sure of that. And Tucker also, as a patron, as one of our first patrons, 
wants to make sure that not only is there content there, but that there's a significant amount of content so that it's worth your dollars. And um, I think we've reached that point. Honestly, I was talking to a friend of the podcast who's also a patron uh, not that long ago who said that he's he's actually glad to pay the five dollars a month because he feels like what we're putting out is worth that fee. So. Well, and on the other hand, like I, I agree with that. And I like the fact that we have a lot of content there and I'm I'm always championing, trying to get more on there. But at the end of the day, the Patreon is to support this show. Right. So if we don't get stuff out, sorry, you know, uh, we're trying. But the Patreon, when when you go to the Patreon, all the stuff that we put on there, that's that's a bonus. The Patreon is it's to support this show that we're doing right now. That's free. It's our it's our way of saying thank you for you know contributing and supporting and and your support indeed does mean a lot to us and we it really does we we are able to do a lot more than we initially thought that we were thanks to your support at patreon.com slash disenfranch pod so keep it up please yeah. and thank you we love you yeah you sound like Borat when you said that <laughs> you are my wife um. Well, Stephen went there. King of the castle. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I have a chair. Uh, so Torque is released on January 16th, 2004. Again, just a proven dumping ground for the movies that the that Hollywood just has the most faith in. Just the absolute most faith whatsoever in. Like, gosh, you, you know, you know, we love it when we're putting that shit out. Um it opens it opens at number four to about nine million dollars. What a what a what a what a what a great what a great return on investment there. Uh in number one, uh opening this week, uh, a little movie called Along Came Polly. Um a really great undersung Philip Seymour Hoffman comedic performance in that movie. Sure it is. Uh, number two, out for six weeks and still maintaining at uh, second is uh, Big Fish, which I think has opened wide the week before. Uh, which is the, why it's... the Tim Burton one with Ewan McGregor? Tim Burton, yeah. Big Fish. Yeah. It was uh, very Tim Burton-y without being very Tim Burton-y, if that makes any sense. It's got it's got the Tim Burton touches without just being full-on, without the, the full-on Tim Burton tilt. Um. And it'll make you cry. And it, yeah, it, like it'll it. it'll jerk some tears out of you, for sure. No, um, maybe that's not worded that way. No, I'm okay it's with it. jerking something, Steven. <laughs> Dude. I mean, there are some who would say that movie's pretty jerking. Um, in, uh, in third place, down from one the week before and out for five weeks, having already made over $300 million at the box office on its way to make, I'm sure a considerable a considerably larger amount in contention uh to winning its best picture oscar is the lord of the rings colon the return of the king uh in third place there in fourth place of course it's torque and in fifth place cheaper by the dozen uh what if steve martin and bonnie hunt had a shit ton of kids that's cheaper by the dozen hey, that's a that's a remake it is also, they, they think they made a sequel to that, like a they theatrical did. sequel, not and there like was a also, video with different actors. There was also the uh, Dennis Quaid, Rene Russo movie that came out right around the same time called Yours, Mine, and Ours. 
Uh, so there was a whole lot. What if two, you know, celebrities had a shit ton of kids? That was kind of a, a motif there uh, around that time as well. Mm-hmm. You could put them next to each other and be like, I don't know which is which if they cover the title. Uh, rounding out the top 10, you've got Cold Mountain in sixth place. Something's got to give in seventh. Boy, does it. Um, My Baby's Daddy in eighth. Calendar Girls nine. And in 10th place, a movie I saw in theaters, The Last Samurai. Um, well, that's a Tom Cruise one. That's a Tom Cruise with Ken, the movie that introduced me to Ken Watanabe. And My I will, dad likes I that will movie. forever be grateful to that movie for that. Um, doesn't hold up super well. Uh, a lot of, you know, very much a white savior kind of movie, but. Um, very problematic film, yes. Yeah. But um, at the time, I really enjoyed it. And again, it did introduce me to Ken Watanabe, and he fucking made me cry in that movie. So there you go. It's your boy. You love that guy. I do love that guy. Uh, Torque uh, makes about, what is it, 9.9. So just, just shy of $10 million its opening weekend. Uh, and then goes on to make a grand total of $21.2 million in the domestic box office. Uh, it makes another 25 internationally for a worldwide gross of $46 million. Not a great multiplier, which means that those, uh, those multi-picture deals that the cast signed ended up being worthless. Because, nope, we're not doing that anymore. So, that's a no. Uh, the... Uh, Tomatometer score on this one is a 22%. The critics consensus, silly and noisy. Torque is stylish fun for the MTV crowd. Uh, If you look at the fresh ratings on Rotten Tomato, those are all people who fucking get this movie. And the rest are people who are like, oh, it's loud and stupid. Yeah. Which is also fair. I mean, look, it is. I'm just saying that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Metascore is a 44 based on mixed or average reviews from 29 critics. And the Letterbox score is a 2.2. Brett, out of five stars, how are you ranking 2004's Torque? Can't believe I'm above the average at 2.5. 2.5. Tucker, what about you? I give it a three. As do I. It's it's a three for me as well. It it's it's goofy, silly, fun. I enjoyed it. I don't know that I feel the need to go back to it, but I can appreciate what it's doing, and appreciate why it's doing it. And um, I think we're better for having covered Torque on this podcast. I wish that it had more of a following because I think there are people who have not seen this movie because they think it's a certain thing. Mm-hmm. There are people who would enjoy it if they found out what it actually is. Right. I think it's a damn shame because like like we said at the beginning, the studio just wanted a straight ripoff. Yeah. And that's how they marketed it as well. They did not market this as a silly, silly fun boy movie as it is. Mm-hmm. They marketed it as straightforward action, very serious. And they shot themselves in the fucking foot. Right. And honestly, I, if you like the 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 aesthetics of the first couple Fast and Furious movies and the uh, goofiness, the kind of goofy, over-the-top, frenetic energy of the latter Fast and Furious movies. Um, give Torque a shot because I think it's kind of the best of both worlds. It kind of meets those two, that franchise, right in the middle. Um, and honestly, if this movie were the third entry in the Fast and Furious franchise, um, I think people would be a lot more forgiving of it and probably a lot more willing to uh, to reclaim it. Honestly. Uh, so there we go. That is our episode on 2004's 
Torque. Um, this is the Disenfranchised Podcast. You can find us on uh, all the social media sites at DisenfranchPod. Uh, that's Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and Facebook. You can find us all four of those locations. Uh, I am your host, Stephen Foxworthy. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Chewy Walrus. Brett, where can we find you on the socials these days? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Letterboxd at sus underscore warlock. And uh, Tucker, what about you? Where can we find you these days? I'm still on the YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash ice909, I-C-E-N-I-N-E, the number zero and the number nine. And uh, I also have my my Instagram page that Steven is is, uh, is managing for me. I was I'm your social media manager. But, no, you're I mean, curating. I, I, I'm I managing. making the content, yeah. Um, and that's pretty fun. I wish uh, I wish we could get some more followers. Tuck underscore mugs. If you're not following, follow. I think I'm trying to put something positive out in the world, man. Particularly if you love beverage content as much as the three of us do. Just the usual doom scrolling, you know? I'm trying to pop something in there that'll maybe. I mean, do we need to do a beverage corner? Do we need to do a regular beverage corner on this podcast? Because the three of us usually have beverages while we're recording. Do we need to do a regular beverage corner? Corners. Brett, you're slipping, man. Let's let's walk over to that video game corner real quick. Uh, you'd be what, what? Did you find a Torque video game? Because I didn't. There is a Torque video game. What? It is a. <laughs> there's the, there's the a... Torque video game engine, but there was not no, 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 a no, no, Torque no, no. video game. There was an online flash game on the okay. Warner Brothers Come website. Come on, Brett's a, Brett is a purist, Tucker. <laughs> That is not. That doesn't count. It counts. You you can't count a flash game used for promotional purposes as a video game. If you can't, I take them. You can only you can only count count uh, console games that are made as promotional tie-in. Those are the only ones that count. Or PC games. Wouldn't a flash game count as a PC game though? You play it It on the PC. It would not. It's a flash game. A flash game is not. I, I can't. I can't in good conscience no, call that a video no game. That's why Brett doesn't games. doesn't count flash mobile games, games either. Games is that? Yeah, I don't, I don't really count mobile me? games. No, okay. Well, for everybody except for Brett, there was a torque racing game for all you non gatekeepers like, out there. Very much uh, a cross between something like Super Hang On and Road Rash. Which honestly, you guys, this was Road Rash the movie. They should have just called this Road Rash the movie. I to the point where I, lo- I looked that. it up and thought, was this supposed to be a Road Rash movie that they changed into something else? And right. So, no, they didn't, but I also had the same thought. But yes, this the, the Flash game I'm talking about apparently was awful, and everybody hated it, and Warner Brothers took it off their website after about a month because it was so horrible. There you go. How long did you have to dig to find that out? I didn't. I watched one video, and the guy mentioned it and showed some screenshots. Oh, okay. So you found it by accident. He, uh, he, he, he stumbled into it. The one video I could find. The one video I, I could find. Because I, <laughs> I went digging to try to find a video game. I was like, there's no way there wasn't a video game for this movie. I couldn't find a fucking thing. So That's congratulations wild. on lucking into it, I guess. Thank you. I can send you a link to that video if you're interested. I'm good, uh, thanks. I do it. want to say one other thing uh, before we wrap up. Um we're now on YouTube as well. I didn't mention that before, but we are on YouTube, youtube.com slash at disenfranchpod, where you can find us and you can find uh, every new episode that we've released, starting with Howard the Duck. Uh, So the last couple of new episodes. Yeah, go ahead. 
You're the one Can curating on that. that. I'm I'm not the social media saying, manager behind that. Please go listen to this on YouTube if you have a chance. If if you're here, of, listen to it again on YouTube. Yes, because putting the podcast up for distribution on all the different podcatchers is easy. Easy. Takes like five minutes tops. But the YouTube, I have to make that video on my computer, which uh, this last episode, which was about an hour and 40 minutes, took about three hours to render that video, even though it's a static image and an hour and 40 minutes of audio. So it takes a long time for that shit to get on YouTube. So watch it on YouTube, you guys. Man. <laughs> because, One because wonders if, if the, the cost-benefit like analysis is, is weighing in our favor here. <laughs> um. Right? I just I can't believe how long it took. It was ridiculous. That that's a while, um, but yeah. So to check, make sure to check us out there. And you know, if uh, if Tucker can get you know a lot more free time, then maybe we can start getting some back episodes up there. But I wouldn't hold your breath on that. Um, but yeah, so we're we're all over the place. Find us, engage with us, say hi to us on social media. Uh, sometimes we say hi back. Um, but yeah, we, we are glad that you are our, our friends. You can hit us up on Patreon, patreon.com slash disenfranchpod. We got a lot of good stuff behind that paywall, as we mentioned earlier. And you can also email us disenfranchpod at gmail.com. Let us know how we're doing, any suggestions, or just to say hi. Uh, we, we do love to hear from you guys. And who knows, you might hear your letter read here on this podcast at some future time. Uh, also make sure that you are giving us ratings and reviews over on Apple podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, those go a long, long, long way to helping people find us, engage with us, uh, and hear the good things that we have to say. And some the bad things we have to say too. all the things good and bad, uh, but allows people to engage with us on, on those levels. So we appreciate you. We appreciate all you do. And if you're, if you're still here listening to this screen, thank you. And that's all we got. So um, that's our episode on Torque. Until next week, uh, I'm your host, Stephen Foxworthy, from my co-hosts, Brett Wright and Tucker. Until next time, you guys keep your asses out of Inglewood. Broom, broom, broom. Broom, broom. <laughs>